surgery is the new sex. Everyone's yeah, saying it. That's what Casey says. Television is the new flesh. He's just always saying something's the new something. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. his deal. Yeah, bla- uh, you know, orange is the new black. Yeah, he didn't make that one. That'd be a weird, uh, weird <laughs> show. Would it? What if he had directed an episode of Orange is the New Black? That'd be wild. Oh man, I know. What a show. That was a big thing, and then it wasn't anymore. Yeah, that's the trend for Netflix, though. Yeah, is, here's a big series for one season, and then we don't know what to do with it anymore. That oh no, of, we have a thing. That's because one of their we, longest running ones, though. Yeah, it ran five or six seasons, right? I think so. I liked the first two or three. I, I was yeah, into I it. I watched it. Yeah, it's that whole bingeables. Uh, uh, template though like if you drop everything i've got 12 to 15 months to forget i watched it mm-hmm. and there's no and act- i'm not gonna catch up on it there's no like discrete act structures within the season no like it's all just like one continuous story that just yeah. like, doesn't have any netflix's overarching flaws yeah lack of storytelling mm-hmm. bingo uh well that was a weird uh discourse or a well, having, detour we're, right away we're, we're dissecting Oh, we're di- oh, we're di- opening Netflix we're up. We're dissecting and then, Netflix, even though Netflix. In fact, this is a Neon <laughs> distribution property, which means it's on Hulu. I don't. I, do they have a deal with them? Because I feel like a lot of Neon stuff shows Maybe. up on Hulu. They it, might, it's yeah. possible. I don't actually know. Disney's crimes of the future. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we were at the round a table and we discuss the films that you may or may not discuss in a film studies course. As we are in this weird moment here at the end of the year, where we're doing the blind spots, and so there's um, some Cronenberg influence in uh, Toy Story when uh, when Buzz or uh, when. Uh, the bully next to Sid, Sid is uh, Sid. Yeah. doing some weird stuff with those toys. Yeah, they're, they're those, poor, those poor Barbie dolls. Yeah, yeah they, they are Cronenberg and turns there. <laughs> um, I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And so what we're doing right now is our blind spots of 2022, and we're doing my first selection, uh, which is the film uh, by David Cronenberg, Crimes of the Future, starring Viggo Morgensen and Leah Sadu and others. Kristen Stewart, Kristen Stewart doing an incredible horny putters and murmurs performance. It's so good. Chris, she is such a good actress. Anyway, she really is. I just it makes me so mad that people are like, oh no, the Twilight Girl. You got to talk to Becca. The, the, the wife and I are constantly debating Case too. Oh yeah. Post seeing Spencer in this, she's kind of coming around, but she was very anti. Uh, Has she seen Personal Shopper? She hasn't seen Personal Shopper. It, it was, um, believe it or not, Happiest Season that made her be like, I don't oh. know about her because she just felt like she was doing nothing in Happiest Season. Yeah, and I, mm. I'm, I don't know. I think it's you know, it's a very grounded like she's good in the road. Normal. I don't wonder if she's one of those actors who has to be the right material, right director, kind of a project yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Right. I think that's fair. But she is, um, she she's is, so good in this. She is. She's better than the Twilight. Girl. You know, she's channeling. She's channeling Naomi Watts. I think from a Holland Drive a little bit in this movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, I, okay. I, I I definitely get a little. little it's a fun performance. Yeah, it's very very good um anyway um so we're talking about that movie but in case you've never tuned in the show ever we need to warn you dear listener this is a analysis show not a review show and that means we might spoil the film and uh and so we want to warn you that even though it is a 2022 movie if you haven't caught it yet on the hulu uh where it's currently available streaming um we're going to spoil it but we're going to wait till the end we're going to preserve your ears of that in the first few moments before we hack them all off and grow new ones on your bodies and uh, the way we'll do that is a synopsis which will be spoiler free we'll do thumbs up thumbs down review which will talk about what it's about but not really anything that happens and then we'll talk about a thing called expanding the syllabus which we maybe We'll spoil this film somewhat, but probably more likely spoil other films. Uh, but there's a, a little bit more spoilerage happening there. And then we get down to business, and that's when all spoilers bets are off. There's music to let you know. And uh, so just in case you're not wanting to know how it goes, um, that's your warning for that. But you're listening to a movie podcast, so I assume you want that. Or you're um, already a person who's seen the movie. 
So yeah. and I, you can bail if you don't want to be spoiled. I'm we'll a person who doesn't care about spoilers. I'm they pretty don't... post-spoiler these days. It depends. Yeah. Some movies I'm like, I really want to go. Like Barbarian, I was adamant about going into that cold just because mm-hmm. of uh, hearing about how fun it is to watch unfold. But by and large, yeah, I'm not like spoiler freaked out anymore. I don't know. What about you, Arthur? You don't really care? Yeah, I mean, it would really depend on what it is, I guess. But if I am spoiled on something, I'm usually at the point of like, okay, how are we going to get to that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. does it, how does that yeah, function? That, and that's still fun to me. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of put on new eyes like a pair of pants. I'm just yeah. like, I'm just going to put on like, I'm just going to think about this like I don't know. Yeah. And I'm okay with it, even though I do. Yeah. And it's fine for me. But not everybody's like that. And I mean, fine. I had been spoiled to the ending of Planet of the Apes. Uh, mm-hmm. For so long, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole Simpsons bit about it. Yeah, and when we finally watched that movie for the show, I was like, "Oh, was that it your worked. first time seeing the movie for the show?" Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Damn. and it still totally works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew the beat, you know. So, you uh, but anyway, um, we are going to do that thing. So I'm just warning you now about that, dear listener, because we are kindly, gentle folks, and uh, so we want to help you out. So with that, um, Arthur, do you have a synopsis for us of Crimes of the Future? I'm Delighted to hear this, I think. Humanity has evolved, and one performance artist uses these evolutions as the backdrop for his masterpieces. Great. Great. Perfect. Love it, Arthur. Yeah, that's... Um, as elliptic. I am having the run of my life. <laughs> you are you are just throwing heat lately. Yeah, I got to be honest. On fire, yeah, my absolute friend. king shit. Yeah, that's this is so good. All right, well, with that, um, we've I'm the only virgin watcher, I suppose. So you go Arth- first. Oh, Arthur's also. I hadn't seen it. Oh, okay. Well, so I was Arth- the only one who had caught this already. We'll, we'll make Dalton go last. How about that? We'll, yes, Dalton last. You first, then me. Okay. How about that? Are you, are you sure you picked? I am. I, I'm, I'm picking you. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is a movie I had hoped to see in theaters. I didn't get to it. Uh, just time and energy and wasn't limitation, and you know it was only at one or two theaters here, and so it was hard to get to. Um, so I, I was very intrigued. Uh, you know, the trailer dropped and uh, it was really kind of a return to that late 80s, 90s Cronenberg, right? Mm-hmm. He had made that move into history of violence and the Eastern Promises, Eastern Promises and uh, then Dangerous, Dangerous Method, Method uh, the Cosmopolis mm-hmm. with Pattinson, right? Mm-hmm. He'd done some more modern dramas. type thrillers, dramas, but they weren't that sort of classic body horror thing uh, he was known for. Um and as soon as the trailer dropped, I mean, there are images in here that fill right out of Dead Ringers or existence. Uh, yeah, yeah, those other movies that he was so well known for uh, in the eighties and and early nineties. Uh, and and so I, uh, those aren't movies I'm familiar with, but I'm familiar with Cronenberg, and so his interest was piqued. And he's working with Vigo, who I like and who he's worked with so many times before. Uh, and, and so going into this, I was curious. Expectations were, I think, tempered, but I I, I was looking forward to seeing it. Uh, and I really like a lot of what it's doing. Um, I, I think that first and foremost, this world that he's crafted, the production design, these sets, this weird grimy n- n- world that we're living in and some sort of weird post-apocalyptic kind of future. It's kind of really uncertain where we are, how we got there. Kind of uh, like last week's movie. honestly, yeah, but yeah much grimier and I think much more interesting because, oh, yeah. you know, I think the fault you know, jumping back there is Interstellar gives us a lot, but then doesn't give us, I think key stuff. This withholds a lot to make it, I think much more intriguing and that intriguingness mm-hmm. really draws you into this world. You know, who are these people? What is going on? You know, what is happening? And so I, I think that part of this movie really works. Uh, I, I think Vigo is really, I like the things Vigo's doing here. I, I like character choices. I like, uh, this weird pain 
artist struggle thing he's doing. Uh, Leia Sidhu is great as well as his uh, partner slash muse slash business associate uh, slash romantic partner, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Really interesting relationship that they have. Kristen Stewart, as we already mentioned, uh, is doing some fun choices as well. And, and so I like uh, all of those components. Um, and this movie really opens up, I think, with a really interesting prologue that kind of sets the tone for this world and these characters and uh, the kind of bizarreness that you're in for. I think the, uh, the, the again, the production design, the, the weird machinery and that kind of almost human exoskeleton-ness mm-hmm. of these things that we're seeing is so cool. Uh, and so props to all that. But for me, there's something about it, and I can't quite put my finger on it because it's almost like, and I mentioned this to Dustin the other day off air, we were talking about it. it it's like things feel a little maybe half-baked, for me, in some ways, like I can feel you there. I, I wish the narrative went maybe a little deep. Like, there's this weird kind of noir detective investigation thing that's happening, and, and right now, I I can't really tell you what's going on. Other, mm-hmm. uh, I know like they're investigating a person, mm-hmm. but I, I wish it went a little. Like, I wish there's a little more depth to the mystery and to that story. I I, I wish that these characters had a little more depth to them. I, I wish this whole kind of plot. And, and movie had just a little, it feels like there are a lot of really cool ideas on the table here and nothing really feels fully cooked for me. It, it feels a bit unfinished. I think of some of those ways and that's not, I, I enjoyed watching it. I really mm-hmm. liked watching it. I'd watch it again. And like, you know, so it doesn't like detract heavily. And I just feel like at the end I was left wanting a little more. And, and so I think that's what it is for me. I, I am a little hesitant in, in heaping praise on it. But I like what I saw. Mm-hmm. I, I like this world. I like these characters. I like, you know, we talked about this off air, and I'm usually the sort of body humor that involves scalpels and cutting and dissecting and autopsy is usually very off-putting for me. I mentioned uh, to Dalton the the episode of the autopsy on the Cabinet of Curiosities of Guillermo del Toro's Netflix show, uh, which has very realistic, vivid, uh, you know, um, prosthetic kind of autopsies taking place and bones cracking and things being pulled out. Sound design is very yeah. crunchy on that. Yeah. And you know, that for Squelchy. me is like covering my eyes, turning away. I can't look, but this, I was never reacting that way. I was very drawn mm-hmm. into what's taking place and very curious about, um, how this is all unfolding. It exists uh, in a world without pain. And I think, he does a good job of making the violence not gross you out to kind yeah. of like get that lack of pain across. Yeah. It's kind of an, an interesting way to shoot the violence. Yeah. And, and so that really pulls me into this and I'm very curious to kind of see where it goes. And there's some fun, like kind of like fight clubby type illusions going on with some, some characters and some things. And so I, I like a lot of what it's doing, but for me, it's just, I feel like it's holding me back and I can't quite put my finger on what it is that's keeping me, I guess, unfulfilled in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I liked it and I would watch it mm-hmm. again and I might actually maybe come in warmer on it on a rewatch. I don't know. Um, but I do like it. And so that's where I'm at with it. I, I wasn't sure. It's one I like probably more than Dead Ringers, which I didn't really go for as much. Uh, and so that's kind of my probably closest comparison is that. And I, I liked it more than that. 
I, I was able to kind of get into it and there is this kind of intrigue that drives it. And I like that about it. And so that's where I'm at on it. Kind of positive, but wanting more. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I'm kind of with you, I think, Arthur, because I, I do think that the, the one of the things that a movie can make as a mistake is doing too much exposition. And I don't know what the problem is with the organ development. I don't, I don't know what the motivation is other than we're trying to preserve that which is human and we're afraid of that which is not and that these new people will be a different kind of people. I mean, that information is given, but I don't really understand kind of where this bureaucracy and uh, sort of governmental interventions, you know, again, what, what, what is it? Are we just simply like looking at, uh, Oh, I forget the name of the character from the X Men, but the the senator who's always bad and oh, uh, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of he starts the Sentinel program. Yeah, is is sort of like this kind of like you know y'all are not really humans and we're the real humans and you know that kind of you know mutant yeah. kind of thing going on there. I, I don't I don't know if it's that. There's also the Lifewear Techs who's. Whole, I mean, that's a whole deal thing. is kind of mysterious. Yeah, I don't know what, who they're working for, or what, yeah, yeah or very why. unclear. Yeah, yeah. and that, those are the kind of things I think for me that are holding it back. Like, like again, is, is is the choice to like we're, we want to make you a murder or not? I mean, I'm not. We won't give away that plot point at this point, but there's a murder that's done, and I don't really know what the motivation is for that murder. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's mm-hmm. again fun, but also I, I want to know why, mm-hmm. and I don't really have an answer for that from the film, and so it. it, it it does feel a little bit like that sort of a cut and paste method, you know, of um, sort of fifties beat William S. Burroughs kind of uh, novel writing, where you just simply just take pages out, just because. And, uh, and there may be a way in which we found some of the limitations of yeah, that sort there's of cut definitely, up method. There's got to be a two hour version of this movie. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could stand it. I mean, for an hour mm-hmm. and forty five, we could stand to have another fifteen minutes. Of I wouldn't that, mind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, to do that. Now that being said, so I, I'm with you on that sort of lack that's there. But that being said, uh, I think it is well. Um, what we do have is it, it is an incredible experience mm-hmm. and is well realized. Um, mm-hmm. Sadu is man does not get enough love. Um, she is an incredible actress, and you know, sort of. I I, I don't know what what your, your other experiences uh, with her are. You know, a lot of people know her from Blue is the Warmest Color, and she's just got so much more. That two Bond movies. This um, oh my god, she's so good in French Dispatch. Holy shit! Yeah, she's well, great and in that. Farewell My Queen is I what I man is it, it almost made my top one hundred. It kind of came kept coming in and out. Uh, on that film and man she's good uh in that i did not realize she's in a beauty and the beast movie as arthur's pulling lots of things up here glorious bastards yeah, oh, she's duh. That, ghost yeah. protocol so i mean anyway she's just got a, a lot of uh real range and is just mm-hmm. an incredible actress and again um so i, I love her vigo's incredible there his hacking and gagging performance <laughs> yeah is, is it's so, so good it's such a good choice it is and it just it's works unpleasant feeling <laughs> <laughs> you know and and the, and the sort of clinical way in which he's sort of like going through his experience mm-hmm. uh which uh you know the sort of removal of pain is sort of a plot point early on in the film that they're sort of working through but i think all of that works i think the sound design is squelchy enough mm-hmm. without being just over the top without yeah it's it's i mean 
not to put too fine a point on it, they're doing sex squelches and not stabbing squelches. Right. I mean, it's, I not to be gross, but yeah, that's... But, well, that and the, I mean, just those opening titles, which have this, what looks to be like organic, organic viscera, but it's in the design of um, lingerie, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the sort of sensuality of the body itself is just sort of really, really kind of The fast. movie is trying to be sexy. Yeah, absolutely it is. And mm-hmm. succeeding. I think uh, so. Um, so there's, all of that works uh, for the movie uh, very, very much. And so I, I, I love the world. I love the thought process of it. I, I love the sort of, just the weirdness of it all. Um, it does look like that the design for the um, the Stark... Um, oh, the Sark. The Sark, yeah. The, the, the sort autopsy of, sarcophagus. The, the autopsy thing, and then the uh, the eating chair. The breakfaster the, chair. <laughs> which looks like leftovers from Naked Lunch. Um, really? Yeah, like bits of mugwump is what it looks like to me. See, the breakfaster chair like reminds me of the design of stuff in existence so much. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of that even in Videodrome, too, mm. where there's some, some similarities to that sort of organic uh, gun thing that um, James Wood's character ends up with. He loves sort of the Geiger-esque design. Yes, yes. He, he's definitely, like, aesthetically, they're very simpatico. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, again, I think the movie really is just uh, a triumph in, in most ways. But I just I just wish that um, they had been a little less um, happy with the editing button, it seems to me, uh, that the editing bay was maybe something a dis- disservice. And I don't know why that was, but again, it seems to me that there is more movie there that we just don't quite get. And I would like a little bit of that. I love that last week we were like too long and this week we're like not long enough, not long enough. Yeah. Yeah, try try to. I dare you to to guess what, what we think about movie lengths. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the weird thing about. I mean, what's the appropriate time to tell a story? You know, it's hard that's to know. The thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard thing to figure. But uh, generally, very very pro. So go ahead, Dalton. What do you think? Okay, so last week we talked about Interstellar, and I think that's like a four star movie. This is like a three and a half star movie, and I think I like it more. If that makes sense, it does. Does that does that does that scan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I love the vibe of this. It's fucking weird. I'm with Arthur. I love the dilapidated production design. Like every nothing is static. Everything is in decay and disrepair. It's just so cool. And, and like the people's insides matching the outside of the world. Great. All the commentary on like industrial waste and what do we do with it. Great. Uh, some really kind of like interesting um, trans readings going on in the film mm-hmm. of, of the idea of becoming something new or like you know trying to fight what you are who you are, all kinds of like really interesting subtext in this movie. Uh, and then again, of course, Kristen Stewart's like gone, just the, the horniest performance I think I've ever seen. <laughs> just when she's, when she's like in his port, look, checking out his new organ and tattooing it. And she's just like cram that thing in there. Yeah, she's yeah. like actively thrusting her hips. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really incredible. Yeah. yeah, Kristen Stewart does not get naked this whole movie, but she has sex the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. Every interaction she has with uh, Tensor and um, what's Sadu's character's name? Um, Sadu is uh, Caprice. Caprice. Yeah. Every scene she has with Tensor and Caprice, she is like trying to get in the between the two of them. It's nuts. Uh, yeah. I, I this movie opens with I know we said we won't spoil anything, but I don't think this is a spoiler. If anything. This is a bit of a content warning. Mm. Uh, this movie opens with a child murder, mm-hmm. uh, and Cronenberg talked about wondering if he would get walkouts in the the product in like the press tour of this movie. He was talking about wondering if he get walkouts at festivals and stuff. Um, so it's it definitely opens with kind of like stark subject matter. Did he? 
I don't, I don't, I, not that I saw anywhere. Okay. Probably, but you know, you know, there's a bunch of old people at film festivals. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm sure they could walk out some all kinds. Um, yeah, I, I'm just very into this, but I also have some of the same quibbles you guys do. I, I, I wish there was more explanation of certain things. I'm unclear on certain people's motivations, um, which again, you know, I think very much is uh, a feature, not a bug. I just, just not, it's not a feature I like very much. You mm-hmm. know, I, I want to know more about the life where uh, engineers or uh, techs. I think they're really interesting characters. And I, I want more. Uh, I think uh, Scott Speedman from uh, Underworld, <laughs> I think, is really good in this. And I want more of him. And I, I'm kind of curious more about his his motivation and the, the sort of... Is he the candy maker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the group that he runs with. I'm interested in, in his, his little commune and what they've got going on. Mm-hmm. And I am interested more in Saul Tensor's let's say his second job in addition to being a performance artist, which yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll kind of play close to the best. We'll say now. good movie names. Good movie names? Good, good movie good character names. names. Oh my God, incredible. Yeah, yeah the, the names in this all the way down. Just so oh, good. Whip it? Yeah, Whip yep. it. Timlin. Timlin? Yeah. Ugh, some incredible names. Yeah, just like really good future names. Uh, Juna is the, the mother's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah, with yeah. a D. Please. With the G, with the D, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. The movie doesn't quite connect for me. You know, and then the reason I, I said the four-star, three-and-a-half-star comment before, like, Interstellar is a movie that, like, emotionally engages me, makes me cry a couple of times. And, I, I, you know, I, I movies are supposed to be emotionally manipulative. I think it's a dumb criticism. I've always mm-hmm. not understood calling a movie manipulative. Of course it is. Duh. It's a manipulation machine. That's yeah, what it does. That's what it do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, while I don't emotionally connect with this, I, I do in some ways. It's just kind of a, more of a remove. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love the vibe of this. I am just kind of interested in the world. I think it's fun to be in. I did like a really close read of this movie. I, I backed it up. I, it took me probably two and a half hours to watch this. I was backing it up a lot. I was looking mm. up stuff while I was watching it on this on this rewatch because I did get to catch it in theaters, as we I think we mentioned. So I, I just like, I really like this world and I like falling into it, but I, I am with you guys. There is something, and maybe it is the Cronenberg of it. Maybe he is wanting me to be disconnected from the film, uh, not to contribute the entire work to him. Um, but, you know, there there is something that the film is doing that, I think is deliberately keeping me at a remove, right? And, um, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't entirely work here, but I think it's because I I want to give myself over to the movie so entirely, as I'm mm-hmm. liking so much about it. I just want it to go get all the way there. And it doesn't quite, but I, I really like it a lot. I'm really impressed by it. And uh, I guess I'm going to have to give Interstellar three and a half stars now, because I... I do think I like this movie better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to be uh, make sure my, my star ratings are not entirely arbitrary. Yeah, I, I think this is a really, really interesting film. Very good, very good. Well, there you go, dear listener. Our feelings are generally pro towards uh, crimes of the future. So with that, we're going to move on to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus. Dalton, can you explain what that's all about? I sure can, Dustin. This is a thought experiment wherein the three of us deliver on the promise of this show. We talk about the films you would never discuss in a film studies course, but we talk about them in a film studies type way. We try to take the text of the week and bring it into an academic setting and hypothesize what uh, you know, a college class uh, centered around the film, or at least in, in involving the the week's text, what would that look like? And what other texts or films would you bring in in conjunction with it? Very good, very good. Do you happen to have a syllabus prepared today? I do. So this film, we haven't talked much about this yet, but this film is like about art and artists a lot. It's very much, you know, Cronenberg's the writer-director here, and it, as very much an older guy at the end of his career, kind of reflecting on his role as an artist in the world, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the biggie on the iChart shit. 
what's interesting to me is how many films from this year are kind of in that pocket. So this would be a class on 2022 in film, and it would be looking at the films from this year that deal with art and artists and, you know, what are their roles in society? How much power do we give them? What do they do with that power? Why do people crave that power, that adoration, that adulation? What What is it that people are looking for out of art, and what are artists trying to do? What are they trying to create? So we'd look at films like um, the uh, recent hit, The Menu. I don't know if it's a hit. I liked it a lot. I don't know how well it's doing at the box office. But uh, with Ray Fiennes and Ani Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, really interesting movie about the restaurant world and fine dining, but, you know, very dark thriller, very, uh, well, very dark comedy thriller, I should say. Uh, really funny stuff, but, you know, very much about the artist and, like, what, what what do you do when your art gets turned to shit? And what do you, when people, like, can't appreciate that that, that in and of itself, like, degrades your art a little bit, how, how do you uh, continue to be further degraded by people that don't respect you, don't take you seriously? Mm. You know, really interesting stuff about, like, the fine dining world and some Ratatouille moments, which are fun. Um, but also, uh, we've, of course, got to look at Tar... Uh, the separating the art from the artist movie of 2022, um, a movie that uh, uh, a friend of mine has compared to Drinking Straight Gin, which I would say is accurate. The movie is a vibe, uh, and you either like it or you don't, and I like it a lot, unfortunately. <laughs> I think it's exactly my vibe. Uh, couldn't be more different from Crimes of the Future, and yet is very similar in some ways. Um, do, does have a, some some sort of shared themes and I, I think in some very interesting ways uh we'd also look at nicholas cage's very meta the unbearable weight of massive talent um another art and artist film and we would look at uh ty west's x and pearl uh both from this year both of which are very much about fame and the pursuit of it and what do people want to create and what do they want out of those creations and what do people want out of their own lives? What do they want from the the, the life of an artist? What is it they're looking for? Um, same with that, we would look at Nope, the Jordan Peele film, which is very much about the the creation of images, very much about how we use people and animals in the creation of images, and what we what we're looking for, what we're trying to uh, capture, and what do we want out of those captures? Uh, we would even look at, of course, the Fablemans. You know, Steven Spielberg's very autobiographical film, which I'm not caught up with yet, but is very much about art and artists. Uh, and I think uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on even falls in here because it's sort of got a documentary film framing device, mm-hmm. and so you've got this documentary filmmaker character who is like trying to connect with Marcel the Shell but has got the camera between him and Marcel and is using it to kind of create that distance and keep that connection from happening. Um, so all of these films, all from this year, all dealing with sort of the role of art and artists, I think really, really interesting stuff. And I, I'm just kind of fascinated in in 2022 with multiple co-occurring calamities happening every day and on ongoing calamities uh, from the last couple of years, fallouts from political calamities. What is the role of the artist? How much power do we give them? And what what do we want from them? And, and what, more importantly, does the artist want? What is the mm-hmm. artist getting out of it? Uh, I think they're all really interesting questions. Yep, I think they are too. Very good, very good. What is your syllabus looking like there, Arthur? Uh, I think we'd take a look at one of life's great annoyances, which is bureaucracy. Yes. Um, Tell me about everywhere. it. Uh, and so I think uh, we would just look at bureaucracy as it's presented in media, uh, mostly to humorous uh, effect, I think, oftentimes. Uh, and with that in mind, we'd probably start with Beetlejuice, where death is a waiting room. Uh, take a number and mm-hmm. wait. Uh, make sure, did you read the book? 
okay, well, read the book, come back, fill out this form. Um, and the, the red tape that happens and that theme of, you know, death is a waiting room is age old, right? I mean, the ideas of limbo and having to wait for some sort of passage into an afterlife is nothing new. And the way in which uh, bureaucracy has that sort of effect on people that the, the, the just endless waiting period of going to the driving, you know, DMV or, mm -hmm. or going to any sort of state building to get something done, the just jumping over hurdles to get there. Uh, I think Beetlejuice plays with that in some fun ways. Uh, we'd probably also look at uh, Parks and Rec uh, mm -hmm. there as well, mm -hmm. probably some specific episodes related specifically to the bureaucracy of local government uh, and them fighting that and, and playing with those ideas. The big text here, obviously, would be Terry Gilliam's Brazil, of course, um, mm -hmm. which is all about this and playing with those ideas and satirizing that to effect. Um, some would argue whether it is great or not, but I wouldn't say not. Um, but it is the kind of capital uh, E uh, text about that, the big uh, er text there. Uh, we would also look maybe at office space and just bureaucracy of the workplace sure. and, and what that looks like and endless meetings and memos and coming in on the weekends, which seemingly gets nothing done. Uh, we'd also take a look at another movie that came out this year would actually fit well on your list. That is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, which feature features sequences uh, where again death is a waiting room and oh, right yeah, yeah. Uh, we punch clocks and uh, we have to meet with higher ups to get stuff done and right on, yeah. uh, before we can get uh, where we want to go uh, and it plays with that in some unique ways but it also plays with ideas of artists and artistry uh, in unique ways as well and so adds to Dalton's syllabus in that way and so those would be the few movies we'd look at and talk about uh, bureaucracy and how it is thought about and how it is presented in uh, media. Very good, very good. Uh, I think what I'm going to do is the Captain Obvious answer and thinking about these phases of uh, David Cronenberg's career. And uh, I would pair this film with his uh, 80s film specifically in the, the, the sort of realm of the body horror, but really the body horror in relationship to technology. And so, I mean, obviously the world of Shivers and The Brood and some of these other earlier uh, Canadian productions, uh, they're all Canadian productions, but, you know, sort of independent released mostly in Canada before they sort of found their way to the States after Cronenberg sort of hits in the U.S. There's this, this early Cronenberg, then there's this 80s, again, uh, Cronenberg that uh, culminates uh, with uh, Crash and with Existence mm. in 1999. Mm. And I think this movie's return to that. And then there's Prestige Cronenberg, which is the Cosmopolis, uh, Dangerous Method, uh, History of Violence, Eastern mm -hmm. Promises Cronenberg there. And so those are a slightly different piece there. So this film, though, would be, again, in that realm of the body horror, technology-specific uh, thing there. And uh, the, the real movies that I'd want to spend the most time with are Existence, because it is a video game that you jack into, which is a very similar kind of plot to Videodrome, which is probably the sort of first fully formed version of this idea uh, in Cronenberg's oeuvre. And, uh, and then I would look at, uh, to, a, to a lesser extent, The Fly. Because it is a technology that sort of brings about this sort of damaged evolution that happens when Jeff Goldblum's character is um, trying to build a teleporter and accidentally gets a fly and scrambles his own DNA with fly and becomes the Brundle fly, uh, which is fascinating, icky, gross horror there. Drippy. Uh, he the, loves wet stuff. The, the, the film that is the sort of weird odd man out in his oeuvre that I, I don't know quite where to put it because it's, uh, it's Naked Lunch. 
Um, there, I, I mentioned earlier um, when we were talking about the uh, breakfast chairs, mm-hmm. uh, how uh, those chairs have some design similarities to existence and also to uh, to naked lunches mugwumps. I, I I think that movie is kind of its own thing because of William S. Burroughs. I was to say because of its adaptation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so I, I would probably be less inclined to use it here because there is technology. Honestly, it's a movie that's probably more about the bureaucracy ideas that Arthur was talking about a little bit. I think in some ways, and sort of the the the. The sneaky um, government agency working in the background there uh, that Roy Schneider's character uh, kind of touches on, and so there's that. And that movie's just it is a it is a bizarre thing unto itself. I really really love Naked Lunch, but I don't I don't think I would quite put it there. But I think fundamentally Cronenberg is thinking a lot about the body and technology, and mostly I think he's thinking about the way in which that whatever's going on with our bodies is what's going on with whatever souls that we have. Um, that he, he really does not want to go into a sort of full dualism. That there's this idea that we're in soul bodies and embodied souls. And whatever's going on with us bodily is part of what's going on with us physically. I don't like what's happening with my body, which is probably why I keep cutting it open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I think there's, there's something really interesting there. And uh, that if we do things to our minds, it will change our bodies. Mm. And if we do things for our bodies, it will change our minds. Mm. And I, I, I find that to be kind of fascinating uh, there in his uh, sort of strange Marshall McLuhan uh, in, you know, enmeshed kind of um, theory that goes on there. So anyway, um, but I would pair this movie again to again, be real specific here with Videodrome and uh, with The Fly, most particularly in existence. And I think that would be a good time in a module of a class on Cronenberg uh, looking at that sort of body horror period. Um, specifically body horror and technology period. Uh, Crash, to a lesser extent, but Crash... Crash Crash is related to this movie for sex reasons, not for technology. Well, I guess technology a little bit with cars. Yeah, a little bit, but it seems like Crash is sort of his first gesture into that sort of high art prestige kind of, you know, it's like it it seems like more of a pair with the Eastern Promises and Dangerous Method. I gotta catch up with it. Yeah, Cronenberg, to to me, but again, he is sort of... He is a he's a very very interesting director, and uh, his uh, his body of work is is fascinating. I mean, them. there's a reason we've talked about so many of his movies on mm-hmm. the show: Dead Ringers, uh, Dead Zone, uh, what else? The Fly, The Fly. Yeah, we've done quite a few Cronenbergs at this point. So good times, good times. So there you go, dear listener. Um, your syllabus just got much longer. I believe now is the time we get down to business. Should we keep talking about Dave, or do you think we've done enough background on him for um, now? We, I, I don't know. I have nothing more to say about Dave, I don't think. I'm just sort of interested in this film as, you know, he's he's obviously, we talked about it last week, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. I've already kind of gestured towards it a couple of times. This Well, maybe I haven't. But anyway, a tour theory is what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that makes a strong case for it. Yeah. You know, there is a, a vibe. There's, there's themes. There is... You know, recurrent imagery. Um, you know, he's he's one of those folks that you may really makes a strong case for it, even more so than than our guy Christopher last week. Yeah, I, I think David's much more doing a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's not trying to play in different sandboxes. He's got like two that he really likes. Or, yeah. Well, maybe three. 
but you know it is he is really interested in sex and violence and the intersection between those two things even in something like eastern promises which is like this undercover russian mafia movie it's about sex trafficking mm-hmm. uh, in a large part of yeah yeah so he he's interested in in how sex and violence operate in in the modern world and he just is usually working behind layers of metaphor mm-hmm. uh, i'm interested in him for that reason because he he's he's looking at the things that kind of have occupied our curiosity and fascination as long as we've been thinking about why we do what we do from, you know, an evolutionary psychology way of thinking. Like, that's what evolutionary psychologists are often obsessed with, especially younger ones, is sex and violence. And it is kind of a thing that films are obsessed with, too. Right. So it only makes sense that David keeps diving in there. But is 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 there a grand thesis here? In this film or in his work at all, do you think? I think I'm I'm t- talking to you obviously because right. you're kind of the Cronenberg expert of the three of us. <laughs> Gosh, I don't really want that. Um, Sorry, but um, I would say that there is a grander thesis here insofar as it, it, again the, the, the interrelationship between sexuality, violence, and the mediated nature of them via technology. Like that seems to be a thing that he's interested in. I don't know if I have much more to say about it because uh, this movie is of itself. I keep thinking about those CRT TVs that body are, is reality. Yeah, the, the body is reality, and yet is that what you're talking about? Well, the experience of watching this oh, experience, the, the surgeries on the, the, the CRT surgeries on the, on the CRT tubes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like there's there's this there's this strange again distanciation that's going on between the the viewers of the performance art itself that you really can't get a good look at what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really is the sort of the thing. And it seems to me that Kirsten, Kirsten Stewart's uh, revelation is that the surgery is a new sex is that she finally got some insight at a, a moment in that experience because there's a way in which we don't really know what they're doing or why they're doing it or why what what the motivation or the meaning is behind this sort of strange performance art of removing these sort of I was going to say vestigial but they're not really vestigial they're they're neo organic developments these evolutionary sort of strange body parts that get developed that by doing by watching the act she sort of she finally gets it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and and so the but again uh, there's a there's a real perversion to the way uh, the perverseness, I guess, mm-hmm. is what I should probably say, because I was thinking about you know her hip thrusting performance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing the tattoo on um, Vigo. She does that to a child off screen. Oh, and I she thought, also tattooed the kid. You're right. Yeah. I thought Duh. about that a Interesting. lot. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So if you didn't watch the movie, quick, uh, we'll catch you up to speed real quick. Uh, Juna, the mother of uh, this this child that is murdered at the beginning of the movie, Juna murders her child because he's a plastic eater. He's he is the first. He's got a digestive system that consumes plastic. He's yeah. one of the the first humans born with this fully new set of digestive organs, and yeah, he can eat plastic. And she thinks he's a monster and. Uh, his father is also a plastic eater, but he had to have a surgery to become one. And... To correct and connect the bits and pieces that have evolved, yeah. Yeah, so he wants Tensor, this performance artist who removes his, his newly developing neo-organs, he wants Tensor to do an autopsy of his son as an art show. 
And so when we get to the end of the film and they do the autopsy, his tattoo, his organs have already been tattooed by the tattooing, the organ registry, Mm -hmm. um, which is, that's a new thing that Tensor is getting involved in is going to the organ registry to have his organs cataloged by the government. Uh, so the, the government has already cataloged this boy's organs. This is not his first autopsy in some ways. Mm -hmm. He's already been peered inside of, and they don't really explain why, uh, well, I think the it's to, cops it, got got the body. The, the fear kid. is that people would know that this kid evolved naturally. Mm. That it's that that it's not through augmentation and that kind of alteration that this kid is able to do what he was able to do. Mm-hmm. It is um, it is still through sort of human intervention, and that's what they're afraid of. Is that if we have that's right? New, okay, if we have new mutants, then we might have yeah. new humans or not humans, something else that's besides right. humans. That's right. It was a cover up. Okay, right. So anyway. Uh, all that to say, Timlin, Chris Stewart's character, is the one who it's revealed to have has is the one who has done the tattooing. And you're mm-hmm. right, off screen, this has happened. But yeah, to you, a dead child body, and it makes you wonder if she was as into that as she was into tattooing Tensor. Or was she tattooing him in that scene, or is she just observing? The she was organ? tattooing. She is tattooing him. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's my thought. I just wanted to check because she's got the little. I love the little eyepiece thing. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Uh, anyway, yeah, pretty gross. I, I even in the theater. And in and on this watch again, I, I wondered about the the ethics of the child. Um, it looks like a fake body. Yeah, sure. it looks like the kid. You know, I was looking for the seams this time, and it looks like the kid's head is like poking up through the top of the table. It looks like mm-hmm. it's one of those kind of classic gimmicks because it looks like a real human face, mm. but the body kind of looks a little off. I hope. Well, dead bodies do look a little off. Well, that's true, but uh, yeah, I, didn't I mean, it's not a real dead body, but no. I'm just saying, I that there's saying. some realism there. You yeah. Know? But, uh, you know, I wonder about the... It is a weird... Yeah. Yeah. You know, anytime we're putting a child on screen at all, I'm curious about the ethics, and especially if we put a a new child's body, even if it's a corpse, and it's trying to be medical in some ways. Mm -hmm. Still wonder about the ethics always. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it doesn't look like a real kid's body, so, I don't know, the ethics are less questionable? Yeah. I don't know. Jury's out. Yeah. Jury's out. Jury's out. But again, uh, narratively speaking, I, I you know we now we now have necrophilia and pedophilia going on, and possibly with Case Stu's character. And, yeah, we don't know though. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know, and so but we're left to wonder. I mean, that's the thing is that we are then. I, what, didn't, I hadn't even considered it. Honestly, I didn't either. Wonder. But it's I think it's a valid reading. <clears throat> yeah, and again, I, I, I'm I would hope that this is not the case, but also you know the, I know his. Um, Cronenberg's sort of desire to go into this sort of level of the perverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just a thing that happens in a lot of his filmmaking. And so it's just, that's strange to me. Um, just leaving that for that there. Um, I, what about the idea of this sort of evolved little group here? I mean, I, I, it does. The plastic like, eaters? The plastic eaters. This mm-hmm. formation of this sort of um, evolutionary community here. Well, this this evolutionary community that has something growing inside of them that requires medical intervention to fully express. And they are being criminalized by the government and and stigmatized by culture and society. I mean, the trains readings right there. I'm not making right. this shit up. No, you're not. I don't, I, you know, I, I feel like, uh, it seems like David knew what he was doing there. Mm-hmm. At least a little it's, bit to it's me. It's night breed levels of absolutely on the reading i mean yeah yeah uh, it's not like i'm doing much to queer the reading yeah Yeah. it's not like i get what you're saying when you invoke nightbreed yeah yeah i I don't think i'm i'm messing with the film much to invoke that Mm -hmm. um i don't know how much there is there and i don't know if cronenberg's the guy to go go here talk Mm -hmm. about it 
I, I think it's bold, and I, I, you know, it seems empathetic. I think he has a lot of empathy for the plastic eaters, and they are they are not presented as nefarious in any way. They right. are they are presented as marginalized. So, I mean, I, I don't think that there is a uh, a clean one to one reading here, but I definitely think that there is, uh, you know, I could definitely see this this really connecting with a, a trans viewer for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be curious to talk to you know anybody that that is trans to watch this. I'd be curious what their experience of viewing the film would be because I do think that stuff is like right there right you know um so it's it's curious because I'm, I'm with you dustin they're living in the, the the plastic eaters are living in this kind of communal setup they're on the run they, they have to manufacture their own food and have to like stay one step ahead of the authorities uh, again it, it is very much you know uh, an ex uh, an expression in some ways of queer marginalization throughout mm-hmm. history right of underground spots that have to be keep an eye out for the authorities and have to shut down and relocate and Right. Again, you know, again, I'm just pointing out the, the, well, the analogs. I, I think the connections between this and sort of like queer cinema and just the idea of these, you know, sort of uh, pre-Stonewall, post-Stonewall sort of, you know, locations where um, those people would locate there. Uh, Andy Warhol comes to mind. There's a moment where uh, he has that zipper procedure done. and For the uh, inner beauty pageant. For the inner beauty pageant. And um, Leah Sadu goes down on his uh, opening, uh, which is... You know, obviously, you know, uh, sort of a caningulous kind of moment that she performs Just on. peak Cronenberg stuff. But the shot is from Annie Warhol's short film, Blowjob. Oh, yeah? It's a, it's a recreation of the tableau gotcha. of just a close-up of a man's face receiving oral sex. Oh, okay. And, um... Well, you know what I thought? Another film I thought of on a close-up of Vigo mm-hmm. is, uh, to jump ahead, back to the plastic eaters and, and jump to the end of the film, we get this close-up on Vigo as he eats the plastic eater candy bar for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he has this, like, religious experience mm-hmm. uh, of like it's it is kind of unclear if he's dying because he can't process it but i think my reading is he's, he's a plastic he, eater. Yeah, he's a plastic yeah. Eater, yeah and he's he's realizing it and it's the passion of joan of arc yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah it's read so much like joan of arc i mean it's it's the black and white his head's tilted up the, mm-hmm. the tears are forming yeah it's it's right there so yeah. i mean cronenberg is definitely using a film history a little bit in this uh, to 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 use Vigo's face to echo other things. Yeah, pretty cool. So uh, you know, and the, the religious ecstasy is, I think, for him uh, in that moment. So the earlier moment is just uh, a, 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 just a moment of of queering the film. I think mm-hmm. is, is to make sure that like it's got connective tissue for that. Yeah, again, sort of trans subtext that you were talking about earlier. I think for Vigo's moment at the end is, I think it's when you find out who you are. Yeah, right. It's, it's that moment of self actualization. Self realization yeah. is like, oh, well, I, what I've been running from is this is me. I've been cutting these organs out, and I should have just let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they keep seem growing. They keep seem to be growing back. And I mean, he is not a young man. Um, and so the I mean, I, Tensor's a stand-in for Cronenberg, right? At some level, per I don't know. You know, the the organs are growing. The movies are growing within Cronenberg, and he has to cut himself open to get them out and show him, show them to us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's something I thought about. Okay, yeah, uh, no, I, I think that's that's valid. I just I'm, I I know I just know that Cronenberg is a cis white man no yeah, no you know, i yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, i'm not you're not, saying as artists as as artists uh, as yeah, artists, I, yeah. I, I don't think cronenberg's trying to secretly tell us that he's yeah he's thinking about coming out as a trans woman mm-hmm. no I, i'm just saying that while tensor fits in with the plastic eaters and, and that kind of complicates the trans subtext at some level if we're looking at cronenberg and tensor as analogs for each other um I, I just mean like as an artist especially like the 
Oh, the inner beauty pageant has to have you. It would wouldn't it just be the perfect mashup? Cronenberg and the Oscars, Tensor and the inner beauty pageant. That's what I was hearing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. almost. I mean, say Du's almost more of the director though, right? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, she is yeah. sort of and the editor and yeah, getting the stuff done. Yeah, she, or the cinematographer, I yeah. guess. Or well, she's she's definitely doing the technical aspect yeah. of everything. When her arc reminded me so it's much, definitely of a, a collaborative effort. So mm-hmm. much of American Mary is what I kept yeah. thinking about sure, while watching yeah. her arc there. That makes sense. Yeah. Because she is a trauma surgeon is her background, mm-hmm. if you didn't watch the movie. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of kind of an interesting parallel to that film. Um, yeah, I, does, I, I love that you brought up that it's a collaborative effort, Arthur. I really do. Because mm-hmm. it is, I mean, it is this collaboration between the two of them. Yeah. It, it, it requires the two of them to, to, to do it. And even when they do the... Uh, um, the Brecken show, the, the autopsy of the child, the, it is still collaborative. Even though it doesn't require both of them, they find a way for both of them to be involved, involved in the work. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think this is one of those things where you can... There's an essay, and I don't remember the name of the um, author. It's in a collection of essays about the new wave and uh, auteurism, sort of fundamental masculinity, because the way you you establish an auteur is by... Uh, controlling, you know, this thing from beginning to end, and it's your your unique vision, and uh, it's again framing all this sort of in masculinist terms. And I have a problem with that. I almost set aside for just a second, but I think if we do see these um, artists as sort of ciphers, you know, working in collaboration, part of what Cronenberg is suggesting maybe then is that yeah, sure, I've got a vision and I've got things that I'm, I've got on the mind, but it only ever comes to fruition by working together, and that mm-hmm. there are things that we we might do that would surprise one another, you know, from time to time. And, uh, you know, the, the, there's a sort of fundamental collaborative acknowledgement there in his auteurism. The problem I have with him saying that controlling a thing is masculine is I think that's essentialist. You know, sure. if you well, say that... if you say collaborat- collaboration is fundamentally feminine and, and, you know, the it's like, no, I know I know lots of ladies who are controlling and I know lots of men who like to work. To, I mean, that's just it's an essentialist argument and I, I don't think it holds water there either. But that's another thing. But I think you're you're right to to bring up both like the collaborate. It's good that we brought up the collaboration, but you mentioned like the age of Tensor, Tensor being an older man. And that's that's another reason I thought of him as a Cronenberg analog. It's like you know, there's he's only got so many movies left in him, mm. and it is it makes me wonder: is he getting more precious about the projects he's pursuing? Right, the organs that he's cutting out and showing to the world. I may not have another one in me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm working on something now. You know, it's there's so much like film language film director language going on with when they talk about the body art Mm -hmm. stuff uh when he goes and sees the guy with all the the ears right he calls it escapist propaganda it's cronenberg talking about the mcu or you Mm -hmm. know some Mm -hmm. some other ip thing right yeah Uh, that's what i so many moments read that way to me uh it just was hard for me to not keep landing on that reading too because i think there is a lot of this and that's to arthur's point that is kind of a problem at some level you know we're throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall right now as we're talking about this film but there is so much subtext that it does kind of make you wonder like, okay, well how much of this are like, we really like delivering on mm-hmm. or how much are we just like have kind of half an idea percolating? Positing, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think that is the, uh, I think that is the strength of the film being sort of oblique in that way. You know, it's, it, it's, 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 it's willingness to be opaque about its themes and that allows those multiple readings. And again, that's sort of the great success of something like Videodrome or Ixix Sense or, some of these other Cronenberg films that we've talked about before and sort of art cinema 
uh, you know, art house kind of movie making that 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 is the mode that Cronenberg's working in now. That that that, that obliqueness is uh, fun and uh, part of the interest there. But uh, there is again, I, to Arthur's point, a bit of a failing that sometimes in the narrative we need a little more explanation, just in terms of the narrative pieces. Um, but yeah, it, why it, does the life wear text murder? Uh... Papa Brecken. Yeah. I forget what his, his character name is. Uh, yeah. Are they? Speed. Yeah. yeah I forget. Scott Speedman. Lang. Yeah. Lang. 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 It starts with an L. I thought it was weirder than that. Yeah. I want to say his name's Lang. Lang Dutrice. Dutrice. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. Dutrice so anyway, is his last they, name. Yeah, yeah. They murder him, and it's not clear why. Right. Yeah. We yeah. know the government is after him because of Saul's contact in New Vice, mm-hmm. the, who's great. I love him, by the way. Yeah, he's, he's great. Cool yeah. look, cool performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like... Yeah, really, I don't know, really interesting uh, performance yeah. out of him. Yeah, I, I wonder if we could read the uh, sort of age of uh, Vigo as the old queen um, who only recently has come to realize, you know, it's okay to be me. Interesting. You know, closeted. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, we're still on that. Yeah. I think, I mean, again, because there is that kind of religious ecstasy that he gets when yeah. he eats, when he re- discovers he's a plastic eater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is, I don't know, the, 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 the old, or yeah, advanced in age, later in life self-realization thing like mm-hmm. it seems like it's there yeah but i also wonder i like the so I, I just thought of this because i was talking about the that character the the cop from new vice whose, whose name i forget um where he's questioning uh the tumorous growths where he's like how how where's the emotional shaping the philosophical understanding that is basic to all art is what he says mm-hmm. and when, when he's challenging what saul does is saul an artist is he really doing anything i mean in in this movie art has definitely taken on a uh, a new definition. Right. So it's, it's, I mean, I, I don't think the film like actually has an opinion about this. Well, and, and there is a performance art piece that I thought about, uh, a Yoko Ono, um, performance art piece called cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is before she knew John. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it is, uh, she's, uh, she hands the audience a pair of scissors and she's wearing kind of a toga. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, there's one piece of instruction cut and they can cut up her outfit as much as they want. You know, it's uh, disturbing, you know, because it's, it's, it's the 60s now. Yeah. And so, uh, but, you know, that that was a performance arts piece where, you know, again, incision was made, again, in fabric, not mm. in flesh. But, you know, there was some violence, you know, that was sort of at, at threat, you know, in a moment like that. And, yeah. And so I, I don't know what the connective, you know, piece is there, but um, I, I did think about that particular bit of Yoko Ono's, you know, uh, pre-John Lennon artistry mm-hmm. and i don't know i don't know what I, again i there's this movie raises so many great questions it does yeah it also raises some climate change questions you know we got mad at interstellar last week for mm-hmm. not engaging with that and uh here we kind of like right from the start we, you know we open on this like capsized ocean liner mm-hmm. just right off the coast and you know this child digging in the dirt digging in the uh not the dirt but the uh the surf mm-hmm. for man-made materials to eat mm-hmm. yeah um so it is all about you know what we've done to the planet at some level right uh dotrice has that line about uh, needing to you know needing human evolution to catch up with human technology so mm-hmm. we can eat our toxic waste that we've created he's got this like really kind of interesting monologue about like how how plastic eating is like the obvious solution to humanity's problems mm-hmm. i think it's kind of like a cool scene uh, it's just like an interesting idea i don't yeah. know you know, I don't know what the metaphor is there, right? Like the the idea of how do we survive in the the pollution that we've we've wrought, 
I, I don't really know if there's a there there, but it's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could kind of crack that open a little further and figure out what Cronenberg's getting at. Yeah, well, in the same way, the idea of having done these uh, genetic or these surgical alterations mm-hmm. to make all these organs work together, and then um, the body of the progeny, the the descendant, the child, mm-hmm. you know, adapts to that, and so uh, because of the surgical alteration, now the child is born with all those pieces not needing the surgery yeah it's I, never I, yeah they never really clarify what and saul is, saul raises that question yeah it's like that's incredible that's that's, that's know, impossible but yeah. is it i mean I you know, know the body and the, the 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 self right the consciousness itself i mean yeah i don't know um i have nothing to say about this movie because i have just so many questions but um anything else we want to make sure we tackle before we does a cab include art cops Ooh. Does it include Saul Tensor? <laughs> I think he's gone totally off the reservation. Yeah, I think so too. So I think not. He's I, in too deep. I, I, yeah, yeah, he's, he's in too deep. Yeah, he's, you're too far undercover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. He's, he's invested in the art world now. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, let me see. Uh, we did. Did we talk much about? I like this. There's there's this moment to get back to Arthur's talk about bureaucracy. There's this this monologue that Timlin has where Kristen Stewart's talking about dr- the drab little insects, uh, mm-hmm. how they're how bureaucrats are drab little insects, and they're drawn to your light and sucked into your gravitational field, mm-hmm. uh, and just this this idea of like regular people being pulled to the charisma of artists. It's a really cool scene, and it's you know, and then she sticks her fingers in his mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great scene, but uh, I really maybe one of my favorite moments in the movie. But I think is kind of rich and interesting as far as again addressing that role of the art and artist but also the role of the bureaucrat you know the bureaucrat mm-hmm. is who keeps society running but it's a very unglamorous unsexy yeah. job yeah 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 it's also i think an interesting if we go back to your kind of auteur analog as you know as bureaucracy as the studio as the executives who get final say yeah final line cut, producers yeah, yeah. Who get to catalog your filmography yeah yeah that's interesting i hadn't thought about it that way yeah, yeah i like that yeah Hmm. Yeah, because there's Whippet is uh, sort of just as freaky as Timlin, but he's like more cautious about it. Yeah. He's he's like more scared of of getting what in trouble happen. with the authorities. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she is Timlin's the rogue studio executive who's like, no, I'll give you whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> let he's me on board. Be, let me be part of the process. Yeah, yeah. I love it. She goes off to start eight twenty four. Yeah, she yep. does. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and render a verdict then on uh, this selection, uh, Crimes of the Future. What do you say, Arthur? <laughs> well, because it's the show. That's what we do. I man, I think for me, um, I will very, uh, I softly stick it on top of a trash can is where I'm going to land. I, I like a lot about it, but again, I don't know what it adds to my cinematic life. Is where I'm at. All right, very good, very good. What do you say, Dalton? Mm, I think this is kind of shelfable. I think this is a cool movie to be like, hey, you guys want to see something weird? <laughs> this is a movie to show people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you guys want to see something kind of fucked up, <laughs> but, but kind of cool? Yeah. This is, a, this is I don't know. This is a movie worth owning. It's probably not going to be on Hulu forever. It'll probably be there Correct. for a while. Um, but, you know, there's a good chance it'll fall off streaming at some point. Um, and I think, you know, for a way late in a filmmaker's career film, it's still pretty vital. Mm-hmm. It feels just as exciting as anything else I've seen in Cronenberg's filmography. Like it gets that much. Like I get that much out of it. I, I'm excited by it. I ask questions. It makes me ask questions. It makes me consider it. 
Um, it's it looks so cool. Again, I as much as I'm not fully drawn in by this movie, I just kind of love this world. It's yeah. this kind of grimy, post-apocalyptic noir. People just cutting on each other in back alleys because they think it's sexy. It's just well, it's it, it doesn't hurt anymore. It's it doesn't like hurt. They don't feel right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just the whole world. world is interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's worthwhile. No, I, okay. I think it's worth outing. Uh, I am also going to say shelf because because you're Cronenberg free because I like Cronenberg a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I really really enjoy his his filmmaking and I don't think this is like an odd or unusual or or sort of failed. You know, it, it's it's as good as anything I've seen. Yeah, you know? I'm right and, there with you. And so you know, I mean, there are probably better. I mean, I would say it's as good. It's you know, it, it it's not it's not an outlier in any way. Um, and it's it, it's different enough that it's worthwhile. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna shelf it too, but with with again, it's not my favorite, but I like so much about it, and I and I have so many questions I need to have answered, and mm-hmm. so I need to see it again and mm-hmm. again and again for that reason. I I definitely feel like I got quite a bit out of it on my second watch. Yeah, I feel like uh, a repeat viewing on this was rewarding. Mm-hmm. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on this. Um, tell us we're wrong, and Alton will tell you how. Yeah, that's right. If you think surgery is not the new sex, you can tell us all about it. <laughs> I think I'm 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 I well. Okay, yeah. Send your thoughts to goodtrashgenrecast <laughs> at gmail.com. That's the name of the show you're listening to, at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at goodtrashmedia, and you can find our patreon.com, patreon.com. <laughs> you can find our Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, that's where you can go to help us keep this show alive, and uh, you can get a little something out of out of helping us keep the show running. Uh, that That's maybe picking a movie for us to discuss, or uh, getting a movie sent to you after we get a little survey filled out from you uh, to figure out what your taste is. Um, All kinds of cool stuff over there. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Arthur, whose turn is it next as we continue this this look into 2022 uh, blind spots? Well, Dalton, I believe it's yours. Oh, is it my turn? So uh, what do you pick? Well, one film has dominated the globe in 2022, uh, and it's, of course... The, the culmination of many years uh, of the, these uh, filmmakers and actors circling each other's orbit, it is RRR from S.S. Rajmuli. That's right. One of the biggest films of the year came from India, and it's not even a Bollywood movie. It's a Tollywood movie. We'll talk about the differences next week. I can't wait. I'm so excited to watch this three-hour epic of, of bros hanging out and beating the shit out of British guys. It's going to be great. All right, well, there you go. RRR is the next film. Um, you keep watching. We'll keep talking. Is that we'll... about a pirate that stutters? R. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.